0: Please open your Bibles. We're going to be reading uh, verse uh, Exodus 17 this morning. We're going to turn to Exodus 17. Uh, we'll be reading verses 8 through 16. So last time we were in Exodus, we saw the water, water from the rock. Uh, and this morning, we'll be talking about verses 8 through 16. So Exodus 17, 8 through 16. If you're using your pew Bibles, that's page 59. Hear now the reading of the word of our God. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him, and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. Write this as a memorial in the book, recited in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, and he called the name of it, The Lord is My Banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. As a reading of the Lord's word this morning, let's pray and ask him to guide us in our meditations this morning. God in heaven, your word is perfect and true, and in it you teach us all that we need to know about you, about ourselves, about this world. Father, we ask that you would guide us, that you would reveal your truth. Lord, lead us to Jesus. Lead us to the cross, that we may bow our knees and surrender, even as he surrendered on our behalf. We pray all of this in his name. Amen. You may be seated. I have some good news for you today. Everything's going to be okay. I know you're saying, okay. Where's this coming from? It's kind of weird, Pastor Isaac. Well, it's coming from this. It's coming from this passage. Everything's going to be okay. But Pastor Isaac, how can you say that? You have no idea what I'm going through, right? How can you say to me, everything's going to be okay? You don't know my future. You can't claim to know that. You don't even know everything I'm facing. Sure, I may not know everything you're facing. But our passage today speaks directly to you. It speaks to the battles that you are in. And the message of this passage is a message of victory. It's a message of strength. It's a method of comfort remember what just happened here's Israel right? God's people wandering in the wilderness and they come without water and they come and they put God on trial in the previous passage they brought forth witnesses right? they convicted the Lord they put him on the, on the trial and the blow of judgment fell upon the rock that God was standing on but what was death to the accused was life to the people waters flowed from the rock And the rock was Christ. The rock was Christ who endured the judgment... not of Israel... but of the Father... in order to give you, his people, living waters. But immediately following this... a new threat emerges. And this time it's the nation of Amalek. And somehow... against all the odds... this this tiny nation of tired slaves... wandering in the wilderness... Wins against a hardened nomadic people who routinely attack easy prey like Israel, but Israel doesn't win through military strength. They don't win because they they had a better general. I mean that's true, but they didn't win because they had they had better tactics or because their swords were made of stronger iron. But they won because they won through the Lord's tactics they won because God never loses but not only does he give Israel victory in our passage we'll learn how he does it it's not how you would expect and we'll learn that he has given us the same victory and the method that the Lord uses to bring victory to Israel and to you here it is the Lord gives you victory against all your enemies through the surrender of your mediator. The Lord gives you victory against all your enemies through the surrender of your mediator. So let's turn to the text and see how the Lord is teaching us this. We have first a couple questions. Our first question, right, is who is Amalek? Amalek? They show up out of the blue, right? We don't know who this is. Um, we know from other passages that Amalek, for instance, in Numbers, they were a nomadic people. They lived somewhere below the promised land, but somewhere above Sinai. So somewhere in the wilderness, they were nomads who moved from place to place. They were raiders. They routinely would attack um and raid upon settlements and upon other people seeking to, you know, survive. In Numbers, the episode between Israel and Amalek is actually much more telling of their tactics. Amalek picks off the weak and the defenseless who are trailing at the back of Israel um, because they are they're not nice people. But we're not told anything about them in our passage. And I think there's a reason why. And the reason is because we've been told about them before, Not in Exodus, but in Genesis. Specifically, Genesis 36. We learn that Amalek was the son of Eliphaz, who was the son of Esau. Amalek was Esau's grandson. In other words, the sons of Esau have come to make war with the sons of Jacob. This is Jacob and Esau fighting again. Two brothers going to war against each other but it, it actually goes even deeper than this because think about who these brothers are right? you have Jacob the son the child of the covenant while Esau sold his covenantal birthright for a bowl of lentils I don't know about you but I don't like lentils that much um, but Jacob was the one that was blessed and Esau was not And there was enmity between the two. God says in Malachi 1 Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Jacob is the chosen son of God, whereas Esau was the rejected son. Go back even further, though. This is not the first time this has happened. Go back to Abraham and to his two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. One the child of the covenant, the other not. Go back even further. Cain and Abel. One the accepted son, the other not. And so Cain rose up against his brother. These two lineages have been at war for almost all of human history. The covenant people of God versus this other lineage making war against them. Why? Because this goes back to Genesis 3. This is the fulfillment of the promise God made in Genesis 3. The seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent shall always have enmity between each other. They will always be at war. Which means what? The, what's happening in our passage is much more than a routine raid. This is this isn't just Israel versus some bad guys. This is the seed of the woman versus the seed of the serpent. This is the seed of the serpent seeking to overthrow God's covenant people. Trying to wipe them out. Trying to erase what God had set up. And ultimately, this is the devil trying to dethrone God. This is spiritual warfare. And it's still going on today. The devil is still making war against God's people. There will always be enmity between these two lineages. But one will come out on top. Verse 14. And the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. In other words, Israel, God's people will endure, but Amalek will not. You and I will endure. The devil will not. And then verses 15 and 16. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation now the ESV says in verse 16 a hand upon the throne of the Lord the Hebrew of this verse is not super clear um, the ESV seems to suggest uh, that it could mean the, that a hand has been placed on God's throne almost like you would put your hand on a Bible and say I swear to, to tell the truth and nothing but the truth and maybe an oath is happening right? that the Lord is making an oath uh, to, to wipe out Amalek but I think it means something a little bit different I think what Moses is saying is that because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord he will have war with them forever because Amalek came to destroy God's people in an attempt to dethrone God he will make war with them forever forever And their memory will be blotted out. In other words, when God's people are attacked, it's as if God is being attacked. When you are being attacked, God takes that personally. And he promises to make war against your enemies and to win. What he's saying is that he will not fail to defend you. So now we know who Amalek is, right? He's a nation, the grandson of Esau coming to make war against the sons of Jacob. But it's the seed of the serpent. It's the enemies of God, the enemies of his people. We know the Lord wins, but how does he win? Maybe right we, we in our imaginations we think oh I know how God's going to win he's going to drop fire from heaven right and consume them all or maybe it's going to be an earthquake and the, the earth will open up and swallow them whole or maybe legions of angels will descend and wipe them out but what actually happens is kind of weird right J- Moses says hey go get some guys Joshua and go fight but for me I'm going to go up on this hill I'm going to be on the top of the hill. So while Jacob is fighting, or Joshua is fighting down here, Moses is up on the hill. And it says in verse 11, "Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, but whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Well, Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady till the going down of the sun. What's going on here? Why does Israel win when Moses lifts up his hands? As you can imagine, there's plenty of interpretations out there. Um, some say that this is Moses praying, right? He was lifting up his hands in prayer. And when his prayer faltered, when his hands dropped, it means his prayer was faltering, uh, and so Israel would lose. Some would say something differently. That When he's holding up his hands, presumably he's holding the staff of God in his hand, he was an inspiring sight for Israel. That when they looked up at the hill and saw Moses up there with his hands up and the staff, they thought, great, we can do this. Let's go fight. Um... Or maybe Moses was acting as a conduit, right? That he was somehow channeling divine power from heaven to earth. But think about this. Think about the image that the Bible is giving us. What do uplifted hands like this communicate in a battle? I surrender. So, when Moses assumes a posture of surrender, Israel wins. Or to put it another way, when the mediator of God's people ascends the hill and surrenders with uplifted hands, God's people win. Can you think of any other time in Scripture that the mediator ascended the hill? And lifted up his hands in surrender. It's the cross. Because on the cross, the devil made his final attempt to dethrone God by killing the king himself. And the king surrendered. The king held up his hands. The king let them nail him to the cross. But in his act of surrender, his people win. Because it's like Exodus 17. The battle is won when the mediator ascends the hill, lifts up his hands and surrender and it costs him something for Moses this act of surrender cost him some tired arms and he needed help even to do that for Jesus his surrender cost him his life and yet he won because on the cross, Jesus won the battle. He won against the devil. He crushed the head of the serpent. And all the serpent could do was watch helplessly as the Lord struck justice against his own son. And yet, Jesus came out of the tomb. And you can imagine the devil thinking, that was not supposed to happen. Uh oh. <laughs> this has not gone according to plan because not only does Jesus win against the devil he wins against sin the very thing that the devil uses against you because the devil, Satan what his name means is the accuser he's the one who comes against God's people and attacks them with accusations saying you are horrible here's all the things you have done wrong God doesn't love you he uses your sin So, when Jesus wins against sin, he takes all the ammunition from the devil away. He has nothing left to throw at you. But he wins against sin by becoming sin. He wins the battle by surrendering, by giving up his life. By dying the death you deserved. And yet, he won against death too. Because the grave could not hold him. So when Jesus ascended, when he came out of the grave, when he was resurrected, not only was that confirmation that he had won, that meant that death was defeated. so we can truly say that God has given us victory over all of our enemies. The devil, sin, death. You have victory through Jesus Christ who surrendered for you. But there's one more point to make. So in verse 15, after this battle... Moses builds an altar and he calls the name of it the Lord is my banner now a banner is a, is a standard or a flag uh, it's used in battle and while I'm not a military man um, it seems that there are two uses for a banner first is a rallying point it's where you run when you're advancing on the enemy uh, and it inspires you with strength to fight and the second is as a regrouping point when things aren't going well here's what I think Moses is saying the Lord is Israel's banner they are to run to him for strength and they are to run to him when things aren't going well they are to rally to the Lord for the strength to fight the battles that they face and they are to retreat to him when they need comfort and healing Because where does your victory come from? It comes from the Lord, who is your banner. Where does your comfort come from? It comes from the Lord, who is your banner. Because when you run to the Lord, you see the victory that Jesus has won. And all the battles that you are facing today or this week, or this year, or this decade, this lifetime, Jesus has already won. And he will give you the strength today to fight the battles you're still facing. And he is where you run when you need help and comfort. He is your strength to fight the battle. He is your comfort in the midst of the battle. And he is your victory over the battle. Everything is going to be okay. Because Jesus has won. And we have like Israel, a place where we can go and we can say the Lord is my banner for Israel it was an altar for us it's a table because we come to the table before us this morning to be reminded of the Lord's strength the Lord's comfort and the Lord's victory because when we come to this table this table proclaims Christ's victory that he has conquered death because he's not here and he's not in the grave he's conquered sin because his blood was shed for sin He's conquered the devil because the devil can no longer accuse us of anything. But this table also proclaims that his victory came at a cost. His victory came at the cost of him surrendering his life on a hill with his arms up for you. So I'd like to invite the elders forward so that we can come before the Lord and say that he is our banner and receive uh, the elements this morning. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you and we praise you because you have given us victory over all of our enemies. The devil has no ammunition left to throw at us. Our sin is dead and buried with Jesus, and yet we live forevermore because he has conquered death. God, even as Jesus has surrendered to give us life, may you teach us and help us to surrender to you, to surrender our lives under your authority, to surrender our sin, to let go of it, to confess it, to repent of it, and to surrender all that we have because the things that we gain through Jesus Christ are worth losing all that this world has to offer. Guide us in these things, Lord. Teach us and mold us. In his name we pray. Amen.